It's time for Love Talk with the Lovelies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. A big thanks to Gavin. He always helps us uh, sound great here with the love ladies on Love Talk. We're great and so happy that you have found us today on a 101.1 FM at 1120 AM, The Bridge, Austin, Central Texas, Christian Talk. I am Coach Carrie Brinkgater, and I'm in studio today with my beautiful co-host, Kathy Inderbrock. Good morning, Kathy. We're missing Marlene today. I know. Good morning, Coach Carrie. We have not had Marlene with us for the past two weeks. She has been at a cousin's reunion having an absolute ball. We're so excited for her, but we are definitely looking forward to having her with us next week. Absolutely. Absolutely. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. It as I, you know, we're coming uh, mid-September now, and the summer is behind us. And you know, it's funny. We've been doing so many incredible things this summer. I've had a couple of friends say, "Hey, tell us about the wedding. Tell us about dropping Faith off at college. Tell us about all of this stuff." But we had something, huh? Empty nesting. Empty nesting. What is the empty nesting like? But, you know, we've had so many incredible guests on, and I just, you know, I always hate to take time away from our guests to really kind of dive into all of that. So, friends, we will be doing a program in the next two weeks where we just kind of take a deep breath and reflect on this summer and what's been happening with all of us because coach Carrie, you are an empty nester now too and just kind of talking about this time in our lives and what god is doing in the midst of it so friends for all of you who want to know those nitty gritty details join <laughs> us over the next two weeks and we're going to be sharing those stories I do have to share with our listeners, this is so funny. I was on the phone with my daughter yesterday. She is a really good phone talker. Um, and when she calls, uh, she will talk for a while. And that's great. She's not a great texter. Um, so I look forward to those phone calls. And I never know when they're going to happen. And she called because um, uh, Ashley and I went on a little anniversary trip last weekend and she called to get an update and just tell me about her weekend. <laughs> and she said, mom, I'm honestly surprised that you're not more sad. In fact, <laughs> in fact, you seem a little joyful and I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I just, I cracked up because I have been, um, you know, uh, anticipating this empty nest thing. And uh, it was just so funny to hear her say that. Uh, but yes, friends, we look forward to giving you more of an update on our lives here um, at the end of September. We're so grateful that you um, love hearing about us. And you know, of course, we love hearing from you. Um, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram. You can email us at letstalk at lovetalk.com. Um, and we, we'd love to interact with you. So you can find us on all those mediums and of course our podcast uh, love talk network and um, you know Kathy we have a great guest today in studio and speaking of being an empty nest you know I, being emotionally healthy as you go through um, every phase of your life is is very important and we have a guest today um, that's going to walk us through some things and, you know, I don't know if I've ever been one to really um, distinguish between emotional health and mental health. But as I really started processing through this program and how I wanted to proceed, I thought, well, you know, 
we all think about our physical health. You know, we we drink water because we we know that we're supposed to drink water. We go for walks. We might lift weights or be a runner. Um, At some point in our lives, we have all taken account of our physical health. How am I feeling now? What do I need to do to feel better? Do I feel good right now? Um, And so we think about that probably on a daily basis for most of us. Um, You know, the older I get, the more I think about skincare. And am I washing my face? Am I doing all the things, right? Um, Dentists recommend that we brush our teeth twice a day. Um, And we go to regular dentist appointments um, to make sure that everything is healthy in there. But do we really take stock of our mental and emotional health on a regular basis. Um, so I looked up uh, definitions of mental health and emotional health, and there is a difference. Mental health pertains to the overall functioning of the brain, right? Encompassing cognitive thinking, processing information, memory functions, um, information, comprehension, all of these things go into our mental health. Emotional health is actually having the awareness of our emotions and the ability to manage and express those feelings in an age-appropriate way. Kathy, had you ever really thought about the difference or really even like thought about mental and emotional, you'll probably have, your mom is a, <laughs> your mom is a, is a licensed <clears throat> professional counselor. So you probably have thought about these things much longer than I have. Uh, yes. You know what? That is so true. I, I always joke, you know, if your dad's a dentist, you probably get your teeth cleaned a lot more regularly than most. But if you grow up with your mom, who's a licensed therapist, uh, you become much more aware of your emotional and mental state and how you're in engaging with others and why you think the way you think and, uh, you know, taking responsibility for your own actions, your own thoughts, your own responses. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, and and I love this program and I'm so excited to be able to talk with our guests today and and we're going to be introducing him in just a moment, but friends, we do need to become very aware of our emotional health and uh, because, you know, this thing that we maybe can't see if we're not aware of it, it can really control our lives and lead us down a very destructive path. Well, yeah, this this book really um, caused me to pause and take a look at at my reactions to things, um, my emotional stability um, (laughs) with some areas in my life. Um, And so Uh, You know, friends, the the book we're talking about is written by Dr. Chris Thurman, and the title is Emotionally Healthy Christianity, Following in the Psychological Footsteps of Christ. This book is so intriguing. It's written in such a captivating way, and I'm excited to introduce you guys to our guest today, um, Dr. Chris Thurman. Um, as I, I will introduce him right after I read our key verses for the day. Ephesians 4:31. get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. That is a tall order. Um, and we're actually going to talk about uh, anger today and look at how Christ dealt with anger and get some examples of that. And then Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in all aspects 
into him who is the head that is Christ. Oh, man. All right. So emotionally healthy Christianity following in the psychological footsteps of Christ. Dr. Chris Thurman. Chris knew at an early age that he wanted to be a psychologist and help people going through difficult struggles in their lives. He earned a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Texas in 1975, a master's degree in counseling from East Texas State University, which is now Texas A&M Commerce, and a doctorate in counseling psychology from the University of Texas in 1981. He couldn't get away from those longhorns. And, and Dr. Thurman has been a licensed psychologist since 1985. Um, he's worked as a professor and a counselor at the University of North Texas and a psychologist at the Minerth Meyer Clinic in Dallas. And then in 1991, Dr. Thurman just had to move back to his beloved Austin, and he opened his private practice. He provides individual and couples counseling, and he conducts personal growth seminars, and he has authored several self-help books. Dr. Thurman and his wife, Holly, have been married for over 40 years, and they have three <laughs> incredible grown kiddos and four amazing grandkids. Dr. Thurman, welcome to Love Talk. Thank you. It's great to be with you. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Thurman, we like to open with a question. It's a standard question for Love Talk, and it really helps our listeners understand kind of where you're coming from and your relationship with Christ. Would you be willing to share with us how you came to know that Jesus loves you? Well, um, I, from an early age, felt a draw to Christ um, uh, when I was quite young, and um, <clears throat> I think that would be where I began to experience the love of Christ for me. Um, I grew up in a military family, and I grew up in a fairly um, legalistic church background. So I think my notion of love for many years was that it had to be earned. So even after becoming a believer when I was 13, I still think I was not truly understanding the love of God for me. Um, and so for the last umpteen years, that has been something that I've been trying to um, grow more into is a deeper sense of just how pervasive the love of God is for me and for everyone. Uh, so not a great answer, but, uh, you know, I've been working to uh, really try to understand the love of God and not tie it to whether or not, you know, I'm behaving myself or having to earn it. You know, I actually love that because, you know, even Paul it kind of, uh, focuses on this mystery that, that the depth and the breadth and the height that of, that, that the love of God is, is so hard for us uh, to understand that one of his greatest hopes is that we would just come to understand that. So, you know, I, I love that, uh, we don't have to know God fully in order to have a relationship with him. We just need to know God rightly. And so to understand that he does love us, that's a great place to start, and then mm -hmm. we're able to learn the depth of that love and the breadth of that love and the fullness of that love, and we just so appreciate 
um, the way that you've just pressed into that relationship and um, how you really have a life that is serving others and helping others to, to be healthy and to grow in relationship. And so this book, Dr. Thurman, Emotionally Healthy Christianity, what led you personally to writing this book? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I, I became a follower of Christ when I was 13. <clears throat> and it was at the same time that I developed a real strong interest in psychology. Uh, so those two things came together uh, at a very pivotal time in my life. You might say I fell in love with a person, and I fell in love at the same time with a profession. Uh, so ever since those two came together, I've just had this natural curiosity about emotional health from a biblical perspective and what are the markers of it. And we can't go any other better place than look at the life of the Lord. Uh, we talk about him being morally perfect, and we should, but um, not many people that I know of have talked about his psychological perfection. And so I felt nudged by the Holy Spirit uh, three years ago to start writing a book on the psychological perfection of Christ and to try to break it down into what are the component parts of that. So that's what gave birth to the book, and it's been a just a passionate uh, activity for me over the last few years to get it written and get it out in, into the public. Ah, well, I, it, I love that. Go ahead, Carrie. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it's it's written in such a thought provoking way, Doctor Thurman. Um, you know, you take obviously examples from scripture and show Jesus's reaction or mm. non-reaction to um, very difficult situations where us mere mortals uh, mm. would have a propensity to lash out or to blame or to, um, you know, self-doubt. Um, we see Jesus's perfect reaction in every situation mm -hmm. and I couldn't get enough of just reading your take well really you know a, a, a psychology take on Jesus's emotional health and so friends when we return to love talk we're going to get into these categories um, and start discussing this emotionally um healthy Christianity. This book by Dr. Chris Thurman. It's going to be a great session and you'll want to join us as we return to Love Talk right after this. George Christensen and his family at Casa Mechanical Services are longtime friends and sponsors for Love Talk, Love Walk. These Casa friends are professionals with more than 40 years' experience in providing heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electrical services in the Austin area. If your heating isn't heating, your cooling isn't cooling, or your drains aren't draining, well, then you need to call our friends at Casa at 334-7300. They provide sales and service on all major brands from professionals you can trust. 
So, big jobs or little jobs, it doesn't matter. Call CASA at 334-7300. Are you looking for a new church home? Or maybe you're new to the area. Either way, we here at First Baptist Church Pflugerville would love to welcome you to visit with us this Sunday at 11 a.m. for our worship service. We have a myriad of different grow groups at 9.30 a.m. And if you need more information, just click the big orange New Here button on our website, fbcpville.org. We hope to connect with you in the near future, and we hope that when you do visit with us, you'll feel like family here. Tim Smith Landscaping. Wow, these guys know what they're doing. Tim Smith has been taking care of landscaping since he was knee-high to a yucca, and they can come to your house and turn a yucky-looking yard into a show place. Take a drab, boring commercial or residential piece of property and turn it into a place that you'll be proud to call home or proud to call your business. There's simply no better choice for landscaping than Tim Smith. 512-848-0659 or 512-2580. Or www.timsmithlandscaping.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. It's great to have you today here with the Love Ladies. I'm Coach Carrie Brinkader in studio with. The amazing and awesome Kathy Indebrock, and we're just so grateful that you have found us. You know that you can always find us on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, Love Talk. You can find our podcast, Love Talk, all one word. Just smash it together. Our bright, shiny faces will pop up there, and you can download our podcast, and you can listen to all our past episodes. We have had some great programs this summer, and so you might want to go back and check those out. Today, we are talking to Dr. Chris Thurman and his book, Emotionally Healthy Christianity. Dr. Thurman, when we went to break right there, we were discussing um, discussing how you have structured your book. And I love how you've done this. You give a short introduction to each chapter, and there's 12 main points that you discuss with the emotionally healthy Christian seeking to serve, viewing reality accurately, Taking appropriate responsibility, delayed gratification properly, listening wholeheartedly, forgive and seek forgiveness, facing problems head on, anchoring our worth in God, having compassion, growing in self-awareness, handling anger well, and agape love for our neighbors. Oh, my stars, these are so good. So you introduce each chapter, and then you give us a case in point from your professional experience as a licensed psychologist. And then you show us um, Jesus's perfect example. Yeah. And so you explore these 12 psychological attributes. Um, I don't think we can start start this segment without discussing seeking to serve and how Jesus was always in give mode. Let's discuss that one. Well, uh, again, we're talking about Christ being the only person who was perfect psychologically, mm-hmm. certainly perfect morally, uh, perfect interpersonally in his interactions with other people. Uh, but this book is trying to say, look, there are the road to emotional health, from my perspective, goes through the life of Christ. If we want to know what emotional health looks like, we need to look to him for how he lived. And this first one 
seek to serve is right at the heart of emotional health. Um, uh, it's staggering that Christ would come out of heaven and take human form. But to me, a verse that just knocks me down every time I read it is Christ came to serve, not to be served. Yeah. So to me, whatever the markers are of perfect psychological health, it has to start with or certainly has to be in the top three of you you go out there every day trying to serve other people rather than take from them. So uh, that, to me, is one of the more important ways to diagnose how emotionally healthy are you. Mm. Uh, are you out there trying to serve the needs of others, their spiritual needs, their psychological needs, their physical needs? Uh, that's what the Lord did every day, uh, all day long, um, not as a doormat. You know, we probably could spend 14 hours talking about Seeking to serve does not mean that you just let people mistreat you or that you don't have boundaries with people. So when I think about my own emotional health uh, and compare it to the life of Christ, it's, you know, I need to really ask God every day, would you help me to have his attitude, which was mm -hmm. I'm out here to give. I'm, yeah. I'm going to pour myself out as a drink offering to people and I'm going to be willing to receive from people. But I'm going to try to make the first focus on how can I give to them uh, rather than how can I uh, take from them. That it, It's so true. And I, I know that we've all probably encountered people who are takers and um, that can be emotionally draining. Um, for me, I am a natural giver, but it is also emotionally draining, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, um, and so uh, my my kids tease me um, because they see that 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 having that quality is emotionally draining for me. I have to make sure that I do fill my cup in other ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, just that that chapter was really spoke to me because Jesus did it in such a way where he he filled his cup through his Father, through um, through God the Father. And that should be we as humans, we seek to fill our cups through um, validation. Right. Sure. And so uh, that was that was incredibly impactful for me. You know, Jesus is washing up the disciples feet mm -hmm. and um, his treatment of the woman at the well, um, the feeding of the 5000. Every single thing that he did was for the well-being of others. Um, and people were drawn to that. And um, that's um, it's very, very Amazing. Okay. This one, um, the, the next one that I wanted to highlight, Dr. Thurman, taking appropriate responsibility. Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. You really express some thought-provoking questions in this chapter. Do you feel responsible for other people's feelings? Do you blame others for your own feelings? If your friend forgets your birthday, do you blame them for hurting your feelings? Well, really, your friend's mistake was that they that they forgot your birthday. They, That's can, right. make, they can make it up to you. It's it's on you to manage your own reaction to that. Who 
oh man, that that's a that's pretty uh, that's pretty harsh right there, Doc. Um, so uh, talk us through this taking appropriate responsibility. You bring up some really great points in this chapter. Well, this is another topic that we could literally spend eight hours on. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, it is right. multi-layered and very complex. <clears throat> um, the way I work with my clients on this is I, I try to alert them to the two mistakes that you can make on this one issue. One is to take too much responsibility. Okay. Mm. There are times that we're out there on the planet and we're feeling responsible for how the whole world is functioning. Uh, we're, we're taking more responsibility than we actually have. Uh, <clears throat> so that's part of the challenge of mental health work, emotional health work. Um, the other mistake, and I, I'm kind of of the opinion that the devil is always in the extremes, so he doesn't mm. care which extreme you go. You can take too much. He's happy for that because that's emotionally unhealthy. But the other mistake is to take too little. Mm -hmm. Some people go around and they're constantly blaming their own emotions and their own actions on other people. So the, the person who takes too much, it's my fault they're upset. The person who takes too little, it's their fault I'm upset. Mm. Uh, and if you go to the life of Christ, you will not see either ever come out of him. Okay? He never once blamed his feelings on anybody. He didn't say, you moneylenders have made me mad. You disciples have hurt my feelings by falling asleep on me. Uh he just mm -hmm. didn't blame his feelings on other things that happened. He didn't blame his actions. You know, you money lenders, it's your fault. I formed a whip today and drove you out. He just didn't think that way. Uh, he took total responsibility for his own feelings and his own actions. And he didn't let other people blame theirs on him. He, did, he didn't sit there saying, well, it's my fault Judas betrayed me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a really awful savior. It's my fault he did that. Wow. Or it's my fault the disciples fell asleep on me. I'm pushing them too hard. He didn't feel responsible for their actions. Uh, he didn't feel responsible that the rich young ruler walked away sad that day. He put that on the others. It's like, you guys have made a choice. I'm not going to take responsibility for your choice. I'm not going to put my choices on you. And that's another marker of his psychological perfection is that he never once took too much responsibility and he never once took too little. You know, I like this because we hear a lot about being triggered and that um, what others do, if it triggers us, then it is their fault and their responsibility for how we act after they have yeah. triggered us, either whether they've done it knowingly or unknowingly. Can you walk us through this, the, the difference between um, the balancing what triggers us and what causes our feelings and actions? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Uh, really important to tease out. Uh, I think it would not be <clears throat> appropriate or accurate to say that people don't trigger us because they certainly do. Um, but there's a distinction between being triggered by somebody and them causing your reaction. So, for example, if I'm driving down the highway 
and somebody's riding my bumper, okay, they are triggering me, okay? That act of disrespect or incivility is an external trigger. But I don't want to make the mistake of thinking they're making me mad because that gives them the power over whether or not I'm angry. So, yes, do people trigger us by mistreating us, uh, being abusive, being narcissistic? Sure. We run into that each day. The Lord did. Every day he got triggered. But he didn't ever say, you know, you're the reason why I'm angry. Uh, he got triggered by the money lenders in the temple. He got triggered by Judas betraying him. He got triggered by Peter denying knowing him. But again, his reaction was something that he took complete responsibility for. Uh, and and that's a startling role model for us. I mean, I think part of the reason why the crowds couldn't get enough of him is they had never seen anything like that before. Okay, mm. They were just dumbfounded by th- this is not just a man. You, you can't be just a human being and have this kind of emotional health when you're being triggered by people that are being disrespectful or, or how they're hurting, you know, treating you badly. So triggered, yes. Made me mad, no. That That's the devil's workshop. I know there's a lot of uh, work that can go into this because you say as an emotionally healthy Christian, uh, we have to agree that we are 100% responsible for how we think, how we feel, and how we act. That's not a very popular view right now, Dr. (laughs) Thurman, but friends, uh, if you were thinking that someone else is responsible for how you think, feel, and act, you are going to want to pick up this book. So something else, Dr. Thurman, that really got my attention is uh, your chapter on anchoring our worth in God, because again, we are measured so much by our success, and so actually anchoring our worth in God... um, Are you talking about identity there? What are you talking about? Well, I make a distinction between worth, identity, and self-esteem. And I hate to keep saying it, but those are, that's another eight-hour discussion. (laughs) Just to tease all that out. But when I'm talking about worth, I'm basically talking about what the word implies is how do you go through life in terms of looking at your worth as a person. And in our world, we almost fundamentally tie worth to performance, Mm -hmm. that I have as much worth as I earn. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I think that's the enemy. I think that's the enemy trying to sift us, to get us to tie something as precious as worth to whether or not we did well today performance-wise because our performance goes up and down. And if we tie worth to that, then our sense of worth goes up and down with it. So most people, even believers, have performance-based worth. That's why all of us need to anchor our worth in what Scripture says, which is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made image bearers. That's why you have worth, okay? This whole notion of self-worth is not biblical because it implies worth comes from the self. It doesn't. It comes from who made you in his image. And that is why everybody on the planet has worth. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or not when it comes to worth because you're a, you bear God's image. 
you were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And that's why you don't treat anybody disrespectfully is because you're dealing with an image bearer who has worth, perfect, stable worth that will never fluctuate. I differ that or distinguish that from identity because worth and identity are not the same thing. Identity is, for me as a believer, tied to whose family are you in? If you're in the family of God, your identity is child of God. If you're not in the family of God, while God created you, and in that sense you're his child, from a family perspective, you're not a child of God in the sense of being in his family yet. So it gets a little bit nuanced and kind of uh, a little bit complicated. So long-winded way to say worth is fundamentally anchored in God made you in his image, and he doesn't make worthless image bearers. He, uh, he gives them worth. I love I love what you said is that if our worth is tied to our performance, our sense of worth is going to fluctuate up and down. And mm-hmm. I have never realized that, but that is so very, so very true. I'm going to post that one on social media, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, I, well, you should. You should. You know, um, my son is an athlete and um, – He's playing college basketball, but two years ago he suffered a horrific injury and it, Mm -hmm. and it kept him out of the sport for a year. And I will say that that year for him, um, we did get him into counseling because his self-worth, his identity was completely wrapped up in who he was on the basketball court. Yeah. And so, uh, he struggled. He really did struggle. And, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's completely, you know, over that. And he seems in our conversations and the way he's carried himself uh, since then to put his worth and his identity as a, a son of the king. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you, when you've had that mindset for yeah. so long, that is um, that is a, a really big struggle. It is. And um, so okay, yeah. I, I can imagine you see this a lot in your practice. I do. And that's a great way to put it, you know, is to talk about an athlete who puts their sense of worth and identity in being an athlete. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if there's a career ending injury or they retire, how many folks really struggle with their emotional health after either of those happen? Because yeah. they put their worth in being a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And they put their identity in, I'm a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And that's the enemy. That's spiritual that's warfare. Your worth has nothing to do with how well or poorly you play basketball. And your identity is not basketball player. It's child of God. Yeah. Yeah. So true. You know, it's so interesting because suicide rates are up with our teens, our, our young adults. And surprisingly enough, uh, older white men up to age 65. And uh, that was a huge shock for me to, to know. So there's this, I think, a pressure to, be for, to, to perform. Um, I think there's a lack of identity. Identity is placed in the wrong things. Uh, Faith, these, my, my youngest daughter, very first day on campus in the dorm uh, that night, a young man got carried out on a stretcher because he downed a bottle of tequila. And so I think this whole idea around self-worth, it is so important where we are anchoring 
mm-hmm. our worth. Well, I, I like you said, we could talk for eight hours on that. I, <laughs> I would like to, Carrie, talk about this next one, which I think is so huge because we only have six, six minutes left in this segment. And I, I really want to touch on it for our listeners. Handling anger well. Oof, that's a hard one. Dr. Thurman, in your book, you you freely admit that you carried around a burden of anger for many years. Um, and, and you also make a differentiation uh, about how people do carry anger, right? Mm-hmm. Some of us stuff it. Some of us spew it. Um, mm-hmm. Some of us self-medicate in order to not feel it. Um, some of us get passive aggressive with how we mm-hmm. treat others. And then some of us try to just be perfect so that there's never any conflict and we don't have to deal with the anger. Can you walk us through your journey with anger? Well, I have had a lifelong struggle with anger. Uh, I'm not using this as an excuse, but I do believe some people temperamentally come into the world uh, with anger struggles. Uh, I just, from the time I got here, I, I feel like I've just been an angry person. Um, that it's my temperament to uh, overreact with anger to things that frustrate me or or whatever. Uh, so that's been a real uh, challenge in my own walk with the Lord. I will say that uh, it's not helpful to grow up in a family where anger is equated to sin, because that's mm. not that's not biblical. The Bible does not say that anger is inherently sinful. That's why there's the verse, be angry, but sin not. Mm. That verse is actually commanding you to be angry. But it's saying, look, when you're angry, you're going to have a little bit more of a tendency to sinfully react out of your anger to the people that are triggering you. So my own journey has been having, not having to, but choosing to turn to God for help to be angry in the right way toward the right person at the right time uh, and thus have righteous anger, which is, again, back to the life of Christ. If anger is automatically sinful, then you would have to say that Christ sinned because he was angry at times. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. And, and you don't want to make that argument because he wasn't sinful. So in the life of Christ, you see nothing but perfectly righteous anger and it was always tied to people were in some way disrespecting god the father that's what made his anger righteous it wasn't kind of a ego triggered anger you know you've hurt my feelings it's like you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves Mm -hmm. Uh, he was angry about that the pharisees you have put millstones around people's necks for what it means to have a relationship with God. He was angry about that, that they were doing that. So uh, my own struggle has been asking God every day, would you help me to not give in to anger so frequently? I have a frequency issue with anger and that I'm frequently angry. Uh, two other versions, uh, duration and intensity. Some people mm-hmm. have anger problems because they, they let the anger last too long. That's a duration issue. Mm-hmm. And the others, it's too intense. Your anger is disproportionate to the event. Okay. So I've really battled all three 
um, and apart from the Holy Spirit's help to have healthier anger uh, as I go, I, I would not have made any progress if it weren't for the work of God inside of me to help me get healthier. Wow. Um, you know, you say that anger in, uh, let me get the quote here, Dr. Thurman, you say in your book on page 165, I think anger is the hardest emotion to manage properly. While it's hard to manage sadness and anxiety, hurt and guilt, anger seems to be in a category of its own. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's harder to manage than some of these other things like hurt and guilt and and sadness? I I don't know for sure. I would say that anger seems to be the, the emotion that fires up your and I don't want to sound psychobabblish here, but anger <laughs> is the emotion that fires your amygdala, amygdala up the most, meaning your emotional brain. Mm. So there is something about anger that makes it inherently the hardest emotion to stay regulated when you're feeling it. Um, mm. it it's not saying that sadness isn't a hard motion, emotion to handle well or that anxiety isn't hard to handle well, but boy, when your hair gets set on fire, you know, and you're really hopping mad, uh, that's when you can really do some sinful acting out at other people's expense. And that's why we need the power of God, not our own power to try to cope in a better way. I love this. Uh, Dr. Thurman, for those listeners who are listening and thinking, oh, my goodness, I need to get a hold of this doctor. I want to get a hold of this book. Now, this book is available, Emotionally Healthy Christianity. Uh, you can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it on Amazon, and that's by Dr. Chris Thurman. If anyone wanted to get a hold of you, um, you know, we will actually go ahead and post that on social media because we're going to have to go to our break Friends, if you are listening to today's program and you think I need to pursue this further, uh, go see us on Facebook, on Instagram. We will be posting Dr. Thurman's details there and a link for you to get his book. We do have to go to break now, friends. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors with more with Dr. Chris Thurman, Emotionally Healthy Christianity. Stay with us. Don't wait. Score the best deal on the home of your dreams at the three-time awarded Community of the Year Santa Rita Ranch. With top-rated amenities and school districts, our 20 available move-in ready homes priced from the 200s won't last long. See for yourself why 2,000-plus neighbors love life at the ranch. For more information, visit us at SantaRitaRanch.com. SantaRitaRanch.com. Are you recovering from an injury, need to regain your health, or simply want to improve your golf swing? HeartFlex can help. HeartFlex is an innovative exercise tool for all fitness levels. Made in the USA, HeartFlex has helped countless Texans improve their fitness by increasing strength, boosting circulation, maximizing flexibility and endurance, and speeding recovery from surgery. It's small, portable, and lightweight. HeartFlex can be used standing, sitting, or lying down. No springs or rubber bands to snap back and cause injury. 
at less than $40. Shipping is free and has a 30-day money-back guarantee. Nothing can stop you from improving your health today. You can learn more and to order yours, visit HeartFlexUSA.com. That's HeartFlexUSA.com. Hi, friends. This is Kathy Enderbrock with Let's Pray Today Ministries. Are you struggling in your marriage with anxiety and depression? Have rebellious kids or, or just want to pray for your children? Maybe you simply don't know where to start in prayer. We specialize in creating the tools to help you learn how to pray and pray effectively in a variety of life issues. Get your free MP3 download today on the topic of your choice. Go to www.letspraytoday.com and click on shop for your free audio prayer download. Become a friend on Facebook and let us know what prayer topic you Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk. You found the love ladies here, Coach Carrie Brinkader and Kathy Indebrock in studio with you, as we always are on Saturdays and Sundays. And you can always find us on Facebook and on Instagram and our podcast, Love Talk, all one word. I have loved every single second of this interview today with Dr. Chris Thurman and his book, Emotionally Healthy Christianity. I think this is such an important way to look at our Savior Jesus Christ, um, we look at, you know, our whole lives, we, we, and we've looked at his perfect behavior and his moral character, but this emotional health, I, I mean, it just really shook me to look at the deep dive into how he reacts to people when they've wronged him. You know, like you said, when the disciples <laughs> fell asleep, when they were supposed to be praying, he didn't come back and then them go, oh, you don't care about me. You must hate me. You, you know, um, he didn't do any of that. He yeah. just went along his way and realized that they are human and that they um, make mistakes. And he just he just went on his way. And I, I he didn't internalize it. Um, and so this book is incredibly helpful to help sort some things out. Well, Dr. Thurman, why, why do you think Christians have such a hard time following in the psychological footsteps of Christ? I think the simple answer is that they do what the Bible calls uh, laboring in their flesh rather than yeah. the spirit. Um, <clears throat> I almost didn't put this chapter in the book because um, my own time as a believer, I, I've, you know, we're all pretty familiar with God the Father, and we're all pretty familiar with God the Son. But mm-hmm. my own life in Christ, I've, I've had, you know, a tendency to ignore the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, and uh, so what I'm trying to say is I think a lot of times – we labor in our own power, our own human abilities to be emotionally healthy rather than co-labor with the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis to be emotionally healthy followers of Christ. Mm. So to me, Scripture is real clear. Unless God builds the house, we labor in vain. So mm. if we're trying to build our own psychological health house, uh, we're laboring in vain because we don't have the uh, the uh, wisdom, the power, the insight uh, to do that. <clears throat> Pardon me. And that's why every day 
I think every believer is just being wise to go to the Holy Spirit and say, would you please help me to think the way you think, to feel the way you feel, and to behave the way you behave as I go through my day. And that's why it has to be a constant seeking of his wisdom, seeking of his power. Uh, And that's why I put chapter three in the book, which is on the role of the Holy Spirit in becoming an emotionally healthy follower of Christ. Wow. Um, You know, we we have a we have a mentor, Kathy and I do, that uh, started this program 38 years ago. She just recently passed away in her 90s. And she would have loved your terminology there, your psychological health house. (laughs) I mean, um, I love that. If we're trying to build our own psychological health house, we are laboring in vain. That's right. We are not the contractor of choice. Um, (laughs) Good way to put it. Right. Um, We are not qualified. Um, The Holy Spirit uh, and going to him every day to ask that we think the way he thinks, feel the way he feels and behave the way he feels. It's great advice. It's absolutely great advice. Um, And I have a I have a question for you, because, you know, there's this one thing that um, it just it struck me when I was uh, reading through one of the Psalms that David wrote and David just uh, voiced or wrote this desire about just dwelling in the house of the Lord and how much he just looked forward to dwelling in the house of the Lord. And I thought, well, oh, my goodness, if our if we have this strong desire to dwell in the house of the Lord and to live in that house, why are we allowing in our own house today what the Lord would never allow in his house? And it gave me such a different perspective on what is happening in the walls of this house and and within me. And if my desire is truly for what the Lord would have then that means that I can start living differently now. And as you said, Dr. Thurman, the Holy Spirit gives us the power in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, for teenagers, as 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 Coach Kerry said, you know, we both have young adults and, and teenagers and this desire to get what they want right now and having the world tell them that this immediate gratification, whether it be in sex or in success or in things, um, that they deserve that, that they have a right to that. And, uh, you know, we have six minutes left in this segment, and there are so many incredible chapters. But just for my own personal benefit, would you just touch on this delay gratification properly mm-hmm. and what is involved in that? Well, I would say, again, that the devil is always in the extremes. So on delaying gratification, He doesn't care if you go one of two extreme directions. One would be the direction of hedonism. It's just a life of instant gratification in the moment with no regard for the consequences of living that way. Strangely enough, and and this is how a lot of us were raised, there is a tendency to teach kids that if it feels good, it must be sinful. And therefore, kids, if they're not careful, cannot uh, enjoy the healthy pleasure that God has wired them to experience. So I may not be making much sense, but I'm just saying 
this issue of gratification is really um, <clears throat> has to be, <clears throat> pardon me, has to be approached with balance. God wired us for pleasure, but he wired us for proper pleasure at the proper time in the proper way. Mm. So that's to me what the Lord, again, modeled perfectly for us. The Lord enjoyed the pleasure of a good meal. Let's just go with food. Okay. But he wasn't a glutton and he didn't, he wasn't anorexic. He didn't not eat. You with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's an example of, okay, we have to really ask the Holy Spirit to help us find this sweet spot when it comes to pleasure of any kind and not be uh, addicted unhealthily to pleasure. Uh, and thus the enemy get us that way. But we have to be careful not to uh, kind of stiff arm all all pleasure as if it can't be um, something the Lord would have wanted for us. One of my one of my favorite quotes um, that I that I heard when my kids were you know younger teenagers is one of their mentors said, you know, God loves a good party. He loves to have fun. He loves being joyful and having a great mm-hmm. time. He yeah. just hates sin. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, you know, because party has a negative connotation when you start talking about college and parties and this and that, you mm-hmm. know, God loves a good party. He loves it. He just hates the sin that may go along with it. Yeah. Um, here, so thank you for that. <clears throat> here at, um, at the end of our program, Dr. Thurman, I do want you to briefly discuss the workbook that you have included in the back of your book here. Um, it goes along with every lesson. It, it's, there's a lesson that goes along with each chapter. And the first thing that you have included is the assessing your emotional health. Oh, yeah. it's a little scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am a firm believer in the challenge that we are to be um doers and not just hearers only. Mm-hmm. So that's why every book that I write, I put a workbook in there. It's like, hey, we've got to take this off the whiteboard and put it out there on the field. We, we've got to be doers. Um, <clears throat> we have to obey, not not out of legalism, not out of a fear, an unhealthy fear of God. But, you know, if God says... Um, if Christ says I came to serve, not to be served, then I think we need to work on what is it going to take for me to become a healthier server. Mm-hmm. If if God says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then I think we need workbook kinds of activities to work on stinking thinking and how to overcome the lies we believe. So to me, I'm real workbook oriented. Uh, when I'm working with clients, I really push them hard with lots of homework. Uh, that's the way I was when I was a college professor is my students got tons of homework because I didn't just want them sitting there listening to the lectures. I wanted them putting them to use. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow, friends, um, this has been an awesome, awesome program. Thank you, Dr. Thurman, for walking us through just the – tip of the iceberg of your book, Emotionally Healthy Christianity. How can our listeners get a hold of you, Dr. Thurman? Well, I have a website, so if they do want to contact me, it's uh, dr, Dr. Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Thurman, T-H-U-R-M-A-N.com. 
So uh, they can go on the website and uh, find me there. And if they are interested in the book, they can go on Amazon. Uh, they can look through the table of contents and see what the book is about. Um, so those are the two ways they can access all, all of that. Great. Thank you. I do highly recommend this book. I've, I've already been dog earing and highlighting in, um, in my book. Thank you for your time today, friend. You know how much the Lord loves you and, um, he wants you to be involved in a community in a, in a place where they are teaching and preaching from the scripture, from the word of God. Friends, we encourage you to find a church, find a community of believers, um, and get involved. It'll be the best thing, um, for your life. Friends, we love you. Uh, you can contact us on all of our social media. And we will see you next time for my amazing co-host, Kathy Enderbrock. I'm Coach Carrie Brinkater, and we'll see you next time right here on Love Talk.